Sean Porter is going to win a 12-round, probably majority decision against Danny Garcia. You won! You did it! You did it! I knew you would! I just knew you would! I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Well, it wasn't a majority decision. It was a unanimous decision for Showtime Sean Porter, who picked up the WBC welterweight title with a 12-round decision over Danny Garcia this past Saturday. But it would not have surprised me at all if one judge did call the fight a draw. I, I thought that a lot of these rounds were very, very close, very competitive. And early on, it seemed that Garcia that this was really his fight, that he was landing the better shots. Um, I thought that at the end of round one, he landed this beautiful counter right hand that sort of, I don't want to say stole the round, but that's what kind of sealed it. That was going to be his round. Um, one of our new writers for BoxingForFree.com, Angel Castro, he did a nice uh, breakdown of the fight as it happened. Uh, he, he scored the fight uh 115 to 113 for sean porter and that's how i saw it when i was done the fight too um i I agreed with some of the rounds that angel that angel called but um some i thought you know what a judge could technically be seeing this the other way he could see it for porter and i thought that maybe this is going to be a draw maybe this is going to be Another one of those fights where, you know, there's no clear winner, but uh, it, the, the more it went on, it's kind of like, okay, Porter is definitely in command. He, he's very wild. He's got this very, I think the best word to describe it is a mauling style. He does not give you room or any chance to breathe. I remember that being a big factor in his fight against Keith Thurman was that Thurman would move away, but it always seemed like Porter was in his face, just getting whatever punches in. And while Garcia did land more, it was Sean Porter who had the higher activity rate. He was throwing more. And uh, Danny Garcia is saying that, oh, well, you know, Sean Porter's punches, they didn't hurt me. They, you know, I I never felt anything. Okay, if that's the case, and and this goes for every fighter who says that they didn't feel their opponent's punches. If that is the case, why aren't you throwing back? It's a simple question, and it deserves a simple answer. Either you weren't throwing back because you were either tired or because you actually were feeling the punches. Okay? Now, it's one thing to say that, you know, they they didn't bother me, but at the same time, it goes back again. Well, if it didn't bother you, why, uh, why weren't you throwing back? I don't get this, and I don't know, has Danny Garcia started to become, I, and I, I hate when people say this about fighters, but it, sometimes it does have some significance, but has Danny Garcia become exposed? There were some questions in the past, but is it finally becoming clear that maybe this guy isn't as good as we thought he was, or maybe that he and his father think he is? He's gone up against, you know, two of the best welterweights in the world, and both times he's come up short. And it wasn't like um, I thought that Keith Thurman blew out, blew him out of the water. I thought that it was a uh, a close but clear unanimous decision victory. I, if I recall, I scored the fight uh, seven rounds to five for Keith Thurman, but there were times where I thought Danny could have done more, like his activity rate kind of went down. 
And I think that maybe, okay, he has been matched against the right opponents in the past. I mean, for the love of God, yes, he, he did come back with that great knockout of Amir Khan to uh, to retain his uh, vacant, or not vacant, but he had won the uh, uh, super lightweight title in his previous fight against Morales, and then he unified against Amir Khan. But then he's fa- he's fighting all these fighters whom, you know, it's clear that they are on the downslope. I mean, Eric Morales, Eric Morales had no business in the ring at that point in his career. Zab Judah is kind of like, okay, another fighter from yesteryear there to, it's another former or present champion that, or rather former, it's another former champion that Danny can put on his resume and say that he's beaten. Then came the fight against uh, Lucas Matisse, which a lot of people expected him to lose, myself included. And he surprised me. He surprised a lot of people in that fight. But then afterwards, there was the fight against Mauricio Herrera, which a lot of people thought that he lost and that he was lucky to get a majority decision uh, against Herrera. Then the uh, the completely unnecessary fight against Rod Salka, who, you know, people are wondering, who are you? What are you doing here? Then he's getting another majority decision, which people say he should have lost against Lamont Peterson. I thought that uh, Peterson won that fight. Then he's fighting Pauli Malignaggi, and then Robert Guerrero, who, you know, I like Robert Guerrero, but at the same time, it's kind of like you had no business fighting for the vacant welterweight title at that point. Very sorry, but you didn't. You had no business being in the ring against, well, not being in the ring against, but certainly fighting for a welterweight title. And then he fights Keith Thurman, loses, Brandon Rios, okay, the walking punching bag who will sometimes fight back, knocks him out. Okay, yeah, it's it's good to look good against, or rather, it's easy to look good against Brandon Rios. But now Sean Porter, it's like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe we've discovered some limitations in this guy's repertoire. I don't know. We'll have to see what's next for him. Sean Porter, what's next for him? He would love a fight against Errol Spence. And why not? Uh, you know, Spence has got the IBF welterweight title. Porter, he's picked up the WBC welterweight title. Oh, I mean, unfortunately, we'll probably have to wait another six to eight months for these guys to possibly meet in the ring. You've got Keith Thurman, once again, the outsider looking in. I, God, I, I was so hoping that... He would return sometime in 2018, but uh, that's not going to happen at this point. It would shock the hell out of me if he were to come back in a few weeks and say, yep, I'm going to be fighting in December. It's just a tune-up fight, but don't worry, I'm back. I I don't see that happening one way at all. But if we can make uh, Sean Porter versus Errol Spence for sometime in 2019... You know, that, that, that'd make me pretty happy. If we can make it happen sometime maybe February, that'd be great. That would really be great. And then, after that, if Keith Thurman is feeling better and feeling up to it, he can face the winner of that fight. So does that mean uh, a showdown with Errol Spence in the battle of undefeated welterweight champions? Or is it a rematch against Sean Porter, whom... I, I remember that fight... It, it was a very good fight that they had back in uh, 2016. I I don't know why people were booing the decision. I scored the fight a draw, and I would have been happy no matter who won. 
But, um, yeah, I, I would love to see that rematch. But either way, the welterweight division is the, the crown jewel of boxing, in my opinion. And, you know, after, after a fight like this and with Sean Porter holding the title, that crown jewel is once again glistening. Moving on. Okay, friends, I know that I try to keep things fun on the show, but unfortunately, we're going to do something that I really don't want to do. And this is something I don't even like doing with friends. It's nothing illegal. It's nothing that's mind-altering, but we're going to talk politics. And how stupid it's going to be if this story, if this next story is true. According to TMZ Sports, Oscar De La Hoya is thinking about running for president. <laughs> As soon as I saw the headline, I thought, okay, it, 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 it's a joke. It's a, he's obviously joking, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to run for president, L- like that idiot Kanye West says he's going to do. But then, you know, I, I actually played the interview, and he's serious. He's serious about this. I, I got the audio. L- listen to this. Are we hearing this right that you're thinking of running for president in 2020? Well, let me, um, let me tell you one thing. Um, I am, actually. Um, I'm, I'm actually very, very serious, and I strongly feel that, uh, that you know, um, if, 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 if a Kanye West can do it and announce and, and maybe uh, uh, tease uh, the world that, uh, that he would maybe one day want to run for president, why not me? Well, are you, si- no, I mean, is if, this a serious if, thing if you where to. you're actually going to pursue this? I, I actually am. I, I actually do want to uh, uh, pursue it, um, uh, um, and there's obviously many reasons. Um, you know, I'm 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 actually in the works of putting a, a team together um, to explore in further detail and see if uh, this makes sense. But uh, I've I've had literally over the years, uh, ever since I, I became a professional in boxing, I've had millions of people. Um, 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 Tell me, look, why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, represent? Why don't you, uh, you know, stand up and, and, and have a bigger voice? And obviously the biggest voice you can have is being president. So, Oscar, if your exploratory team that you're putting together, if they come back to you and say, this looks good, if, if the numbers are right, you actually would run. If the numbers are right and they tell me that it looks good, I'm going to go for it. You know, a couple years ago for a Christmas time podcast, I said that Oscar De La Hoya was the gift that keeps on giving. Christmas came early this year. Oh my God, Oscar. You know, you got to wonder, is he high? Is he drunk? Has he fallen off the wagon again? And I sincerely hope not. I want Oscar De La Hoya to be healthy, especially if he somehow ends up being elected president of the United States. Good God, I don't understand his logic that, oh, well, if Kanye West can announce it, you know, why not me? Okay, but there are also lots of psychos who insist that they're going to run third party and become president of the United States. <laughs> I mean, he, he sounds no different than this guy I met at the bus stop once who handed me his, uh, his printed manifesto, and th- th- I wish I had held on to this because it was a, a thing of comedy. The guy was insisting that he was technically the legal Prince of Wales, and there were all these spelling mistakes 
in the manifesto that he had typed out on the computer, but he crossed out the mistakes and wrote in pen the correct spelling. This this is almost what Oscar's doing, except he's doing it on a larger platform because of his fame and celebrity. Oh, wow. I, I don't know if he's serious. I you know, but he says he's got an exploratory committee who is looking into this. It almost makes you wonder, are they going to tell him the truth? Are they going to, you know, say, oh, yeah, go for this, Oscar. You're still paying us for this, right? And the more this goes on, you'll keep paying us? Okay. <laughs> Give us the money, man. Just write the check. You, 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 totally, you, you totally got this, man. I don't know what's going on in his mind, but thanks to some detective work that I've done, I found out that, yes, he is serious about this because I've got a Boxing for Free exclusive. I have got the audio for Oscar De La Hoya's announcement that he's going to make to the nation for his run in 2020, and you know what? It, it sounds like he's really serious. Anyway, let's, let's play that clip. Hello, my fellow Americans. My name is Oscar De La Hoya, and I am uh, announcing my candidacy for uh, President of the United States in um, uh, the year 2020. I am going to take the fight to Donald Trump, <laughs> and uh, I am, you know, going to, I, I need it to win it. People say I can't pull the trigger. Well, guess what? I am going to pull the trigger. And you're going to pull the ballot for De La Hoya. Look, if you can elect a guy who used to host freaking Celebrity Apprentice and, you know, did lots of nasty things, surely you can elect a cross-dressing boxer like myself who's had substance abuse problems, who settled a rape allegation out of court. Okay, maybe those aren't the best issues, but regardless, if I become president, I am going to deal with the real issues that real Americans are concerned about. I am not going to overturn Roe v. Wade. I am, however, going to overturn my decision losses to Felix Trinidad and the rematch to Shane Mosley. Personally, I thought the first fight with Mosley should have been called a tie, or maybe for me, but you know what? I'll throw Shane a bone. You get the first one, Shane. But everybody knows I won the last fight. And you? Whatever. Look, the point is... I can do great things. I'm not drunk too much. I am not high either, I don't think. And look, I can do this. Stop laughing. Vote De La Hoya 2020. Well, if he's serious, I mean, okay, it's your money. I mean, you've got to deal with uh, the delegates and all that. I, I don't know too much about how American politics works. Other than that, it's in freaking shambles at the moment. But, uh, yeah, if he's serious about this, we will continue to cover it. We will continue to do uh, the detective work that you've become used to. And we will find more of these ex exclusive clips for you. Because, uh, yeah, you know, we could be seeing history being made again with this election. You know, in 2008, America elected the first black man to be president of the United States. In 2016, they elected the first orange man to be elected president. And in 2018, they may be electing the first Latino American who used to be a cross-dresser to president. I mean, 
We live in exciting times, people, so stay tuned. Things are going to be very interesting. Moving on. Okay, it's time to get to the uh, the meat potatoes of this podcast, and that is Canelo versus Golovkin 2. But before we get into my prediction and all that fun stuff, let's go over the 24-7 episode that aired on HBO recently. Now, I, I think they've done a smart thing with 24-7, even though now it's no different than the uh, Countdown series that they used to do. But regardless, 24-7 is now only one episode, as far as I know. And I think that they, they work better as just one episode. I mean, sometimes you do have those ones where, you know, you kind of want to see more, like Pacquiao versus Hatton. I thought that was very exciting, or not so much exciting, but fun to watch because of the dynamic personalities involved, like Hatton, Freddie Roach, Floyd Mayweather Sr., but regardless, I, I one thing I wish they would do is a 24-7 aftermath. Like, what happened after the fight? I know they did that for Victor Ortiz versus Floyd Mayweather, and you got to see Victor talking about how he didn't lose the fight afterwards, but regardless, I did like this one for uh, Canelo versus Golovkin 2, so let's get into that. What is такое уважение? То есть вы мне скажете, когда ты когда ты обманываешь весь народ, когда ты срываешь бизнес, когда ты не уважаешь, что телевидение где ты выступаешь, когда ты плевать хотел на всех своих фанатов, на все, если это уважение. So the episode opens with Golovkin, and this time, like it's probably for the first time, like you've ever really heard him sound angry. He's asking, "What is respect?" Like, well, let me ask you, when you deceive people, when you hurt business, when you don't respect your TV networks, when you don't give a damn about your fans, you can tell he's he's pissed. We've never seen Golovkin like this. I don't think, I can't recall a time. Now, now, if he thinks that he respects sport, how many champions ¿Cuántos rivales de un chingo de peleas perdidas ha tenido? Entonces hace creer a la gente que se vive bueno, son buenas peleas cuando no, cuando en realidad no es, no es verdad. Then we cut to Canelo, and he has his own opinions on respect. He think, he, uh, Canelo says, quote, Now, if he thinks he respects the sport, how many champions has he fought? Very few. How many opponents has he had with a shitload of losses? So he makes people believe that he's all about the good fights when he's not. Again, you've, you you don't hear them this angry. It's gotten very, very personal for this fight. And it hasn't gotten out of control and ugly like if this were Angel Garcia involved, say. It, it's all about these two fighters and no one else. I mean, yes, the trainers are involved, but they play a very peripheral role, in my opinion, anyway. And don't, don't worry, I'm not going to be translating everything that they say, otherwise we'd be here for another two hours. If boxing was long ago first conceived as a means to resolve dispute, then the fights that offer the most authentic tributes to the sport's roots are affairs like this one, in which disagreement between the relevant parties evolves into true disgust. Welcome to 24-7 Canelo Triple G 2. Thank God for Liev Schreiber, because he makes these things so interesting just with his narration. 
I could listen to that guy read the phone book and be entertained. So I'm probably easily entertained. It's been said that life can take you in circles. And in the case of Saul Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin, you'll find the two best middleweight boxers in the world currently in the same place as they were exactly one year ago. Now preparing to meet again in a Las Vegas boxing ring. The man they call Triple G, along with his longtime trainer Abel Sanchez, is back in Big Bear Lake, California. While 150 miles southwest in San Diego, Canelo is working under the eyes of trainers Eddie and Chepo Reynoso. But over the 12 months that have passed since their initial meeting, there's been no shortage of controversy. Headlined by plans for a rematch in May that went awry, and for a time, threatened to derail a second fight from happening at all. You gotta think about how different things would have been had the rematch not happened at all. If this was uh, just going to be continually postponed, or if Canelo was going to say, you know what, we don't need Triple G, we're moving on, you know, I'm the lineal champion. I just don't think he would have been able to... Uh, I, I think it would have done irreparable damage to his reputation. Because you knew that Golovkin won the rematch. A lot of people, including myself, thought that he won the first fight. But Canelo, like, even the look on his face, you could tell afterwards that he did not think he won the fight and that he was kind of lucky to get a draw. But I, I think this would have dogged him his whole career had he can had he uh, avoided a rematch with Gennady Golovkin. It's a good thing it is happening now. But as noted in this episode, these two there's obviously a lot more dislike for each other than there was before. Before it was all business. This time it's personal. Canelo says that he wants to rip Golovkin's head off. There's no doubt about it. And he's very eager to get in the ring. While Golovkin is playing it a lot more cool. He says that, um, he, he says, I don't really hate him. I wouldn't say I hate him. It's just that my opinion of him has changed completely. You know, what he says doesn't inspire any respect. And you gotta wonder, oh my gosh, how, how drastically things have changed over the course of just one year. It wasn't always this way. Early in their careers, the pair worked together as sparring partners. And after long circling each other, their long-awaited matchup last September was surrounded not by tension, but simply universal anticipation for a potential fight of the year. The boxing world and press is essentially split down the middle in terms of who they think will win the fight, but everyone agrees we have a potential classic on our hands. And there's nothing quite like a fight where the media is split down the middle, where you can't tell who really is the favorite when you make your decision and all of a sudden you think, oh, wait, did I consider this? Did I think about this? Oh, that that's what makes boxing so exciting, and that's when I love boxing the most. Though as the bout began, both fighters appeared restrained in their approach. Golovkin stalking, but cautiously. Canelo moving, trying to present a difficult target for Golovkin. I wasn't too surprised afterwards that 
Golovkin didn't start the fight at an incredibly fast pace because we have to remember these two did spar each other in the past and granted you know that was quite a number of years ago I'm sure that they did know that each other had grown uh, in the past few years and also I think that Golovkin is smart enough to know that Canelo is very much stronger than most people realize I mean the way that he does knock some people out sometimes is kind of astonishing and I don't think he was afraid but he you know you do have to be cautious you do have to use intelligence and it's easy for people who are outside the ring to say oh well you should have done this I mean well that's different you're not the person in the ring with this guy and Golovkin admits that he was just taking his time trying to figure out Canelo's tactics in the same way that Canelo was trying to figure out his tactics. Canelo looking good early in this fight. Back and Triple G up something we've never seen anybody do. Triple G seems clearly thrown off by having to worry about power punches from a counter puncher. Triple G is trying to fight his fight, but Canelo is the one who's actually fighting his fight right now. The first three or four rounds, we did go out and start a little slower than I would hope we had, but um, I don't look at a 12-round fight. I look at a one-round fight. Win one round, win the second round, win the third round, win the fourth round. Do the best we can to win one round at a time. This is the fourth, okay? Deep breath. You gave that one away. I remember after four rounds, or sorry, three rounds, going into the fourth, I did have Canelo Alvarez ahead in the fight. And Abel Sanchez is a very smart guy. I mean, I've seen fighters where a guy will lose the first three rounds and then afterwards he just seems to give up like well I've lost those three rounds there's there's no way I can recover from that and they just lose confidence I mean I, I find that incredibly stupid but I think that Sanchez has probably worked with Golovkin long enough that you know they know how this works they know okay we've got 12 we may lose two or three rounds but there's still nine more that we can win and there's also a chance to knock him out before that 12th round so that will make everything null and void and it was there that I recall that Canelo it wasn't that he was getting bad it's just that um Golovkin had started to figure him out and was starting to assert himself in the fight he wasn't being the knockout machine that we were used to but he was using his boxing ability Triple G is piling up numbers, landing more punches. Canelo has to do something to slow Triple G down now. When your opponent walks through shots like that, what can you do? Golovkin appeared to me to be winning the fight. He wasn't winning it the way I expected him to. He was instead winning it with his feet and his jab and not creating those firefight skirmishes that I expected to be the primary feature of the fight going in. It almost sounds like Jim Lampley is a bit disappointed that it, that uh, Golovkin wasn't fighting in the style that he's used to, or rather that Jim Lampley is used to, but again, this is tactics. I mean, most people prefer brains over brawn. I mean, again, tactics. If you know you can win the fight better this way, do it that way. I mean, I still thought it was a good fight overall because Canelo was still in it. I, I believe I wrote at the time... Oh, God, it's here. Okay, Canelo is uh, having good moments, but Gennady Golovkin is having better moments. That's what I wrote at the time. And should they be so surprised that Gennady Golovkin does have some good boxing ability? He did win a number of amateur fights. He was a silver medalist at the 2004 Olympic Games. So let's not be too surprised or disappointed 
that this guy can box. I mean, oh my gosh, you've you've got more to your arsenal than just, you know, the usual style. Is that a crime? And Golovkin argues that when he was backing Canelo up in the fight, that Canelo wasn't boxing, he was running away. But then Canelo comes back arguing that it's not the same thing to run as to have a technique to counterpunch. So he's saying that all he was doing was just trying to get the, the right amount of distance so that he could land his counterpunches, and that what Golovkin's saying isn't making too much sense. One of Canelo's cornermen felt that after nine rounds, the fight was even. I don't get, I don't understand the math on that, but, you know, maybe it's just the editing of the episode. Maybe they're taking him out of context. But regardless, he felt the fight was even, and so he was pressuring Canelo to throw more punches and to do the things that he might not be doing or do things that he was missing. And if you watch the episode, you can you can actually hear him telling Canelo, these are the three most important rounds of your life. Stay off of the ropes. Speed, movement, defense, stay off of the ropes. So the 10th round comes, and it's a much better round for Canelo Alvarez. He lands that big, big overhand right that, you know, it, it, it lands flush on Golovkin, and that normally drops opponents of Canelo Alvarez, but Golovkin, for some reason, well, I don't know if, if I can say for some reason, but he's still standing there, and you you could tell that, uh, you know, things might be turning around for Alvarez just a little bit, but G Golovkin says that he was not hurt by that punch, and that he wasn't even wobbled, that it was more just an issue of balance than anything else, but it's kind of like, well, maybe your balance was affected because of that punch that landed on you. Just maybe. Another right hand by Canelo. Doesn't care nothing about those right hands. It's rock'em, sock'em robots right now. Yes, sir. Now a fight has broken off for sure. Now it's Golovkin with momentum. Eleventh was a pretty close round. Now, I don't know about the scorecards right now. Triple G looks like he has won most rounds in the fight, but he started out slowly. Three minutes, all three yes. minutes, okay? Don't let him rest. Canelo's corner is telling him it's the last freaking round. You know, we've been grinding for 14 years. I don't want to say that there is desperation, but you can kind of tell there's urgency. I don't know. That, that's just how I see it. Just throwing knockout punches now. Gable Sanchez told Triple G, don't let him rest. But Canelo's not trying to rest. Golovkin backs Canelo off. Fire and fury in Las Vegas. Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez firing away down the stretch. Crowd is going berserk. That was a brilliant rally in the last three rounds by Canelo Alvarez. Was it enough? I thought it was a very good fight. I thought that even though there wasn't the type of fireworks that a lot of us expected that it still lived up to the hype that we you know wanted for this fight i had a scorecard of 117 111 for gennady golovkin canelo alvarez thought that he won the fight gennady golovkin thought that he had won the fight so there was this kind of anticipation building in the air then come the scorecards i'm thinking at the end that i'm going to hear 115 113 116, 112, probably for Golovkin. 114, 114, 
which is six rounds to six. That wouldn't have shocked me. Harold Letterman, how'd you score the fight? Okay, Jim, I've got it 116, 112, eight rounds to four, Gennady Golovkin. But the only opinions that mattered, ringside or anywhere else, were those of the three official judges. Adelaide Bird scores it 118 to 110 for Canelo. 118, 110. First of all, that didn't happen for either fighter. Uh, it particularly didn't happen for Canelo. Immediately, you knew that you were in Looney Tunes land. Dave Moretti scores it. 115, 113 for Triple G. And Don Trella scores it. 114, 114. This is officially a draw. At the end of the day, a draw is a result that should be satisfying enough for boxing fans because it means we'll get to see it again. Though still, in the aftermath, the scorecards were tough for everyone to reconcile. At that point, Adelaide Bird became the most loathed person in boxing. Oh, gosh. I don't know if she's judged any major fights since or any fights since, but... Oh my gosh, I have no idea what the hell she was thinking or smoking or drinking, if anything, that night. So we fast forward to a few months later when it's time to announce the the rematch, which was initially supposed to take place in May, but then we hit a few, a few bumps in the road. Negotiations for the rematch began soon after, and though the talks grew strained at times, the most anticipated fight of 2018 was finally announced in late January. Everything appeared to be on course for the fighters to again meet on May 5th, until it all got derailed in early March, when it was revealed that Canelo had twice tested positive for a banned substance, clenbuterol, in tests administered in Mexico by VADA, the Voluntary Anti-Doping Association. Canelo's initial reaction was to say, well, this has got to be a mistake, they're wrong, but then Chepo Reynoso comes in and he says, something happened. It seems that it was in the food, in the meat. I've worked uh, a lot with meat and I know farmers who fatten up their livestock. So they gave clenbuterol to their cows so that they got heavier faster. This, this kind of concerns me because, okay, you know, if, if this is a common thing of farmers why why are you giving him that meat especially considering that you're a former butcher yourself shouldn't you know that okay this is what the farmers are doing this clenbuterol this could be in the meat and that could really affect the fight so we have got to you know import some meat from anywhere else i said multiple times get alberta beef it's not just the best meat you'll have in this hemisphere, it is the best meat you will have on God's green earth. Like we say in Alberta, you can't beat my meat for a special treat. I even suggested this to Oscar De La Hoya myself on Twitter. And what did he do? He banned me. <sighs> See if I get the Canadians to hack the election for your campaign in 2020, Oscar. That explanation, that Canelo had ingested the substance through contaminated meat in his native country, divided observers with supporters pointing to its plausibility and doubters exclaiming it was a cover-up for more sinister purposes. 
And I'm not saying that they were trying to deceive anybody. I'm just asking a question because it begs asking. How do two former butchers who know about the meat practices in their country that farmers are doing, why were they not more cautious about this? Sorry, I mean, it begs asking and it begs answering. So the rematch, unfortunately, is put on hold for the time being. And we don't know if a fight is going to be happening. Happening. Canelo is insisting of his innocence. And in the meantime, Gennady Golovkin, he's a guy who does not like fighting only once a year. He likes to fight as often as possible. And so that was why... Back in May, he took the fight against Vanez Martiozian, knocked him out in the second round. A an easy fight for him. It was what we expected of Golovkin, but we were all hoping that after this, the rematch with Canelo would be taking place. And that's where we are today, right now. Uh, I am recording this on uh, a Tuesday, and we've only got a few days to go before their fight, so... Who is my prediction? Who am I picking for this fight? Well, I have been thinking pretty uh, carefully about this prediction because there is a lot riding on this fight. And at one point I was starting to wonder, is Gennady Golovkin almost kind of like Danny Garcia in a way? Somebody who, for the, right, for the longest time, has been matched up against the right guy all the time. But when he finally meets somebody who is at that elite level, like Canelo appears to be, he falls short and was able to get a draw. But then I thought, well, no, because you have to remember, Golovkin did win a unanimous decision against Daniel Jacobs, a close one, but still clear. A lot of the opponents he has faced have been undefeated or with very few losses on their record. And I did think that he won the fight against Canelo Alvarez clearly. With Canelo, you have to wonder how far can he be protected. I thought that uh, he lost his fight against Arislandi Lara. We all know that he lost a unanimous decision against Floyd Mayweather. I don't care if uh, it was named a uh, majority decision. No, that judge was. Uh, I can't. I think it was C.J. Ross, but. Uh, she can't judge to save her life. Is it possible that when Canelo is facing the truly elite, that he's the one who falls short? I don't know. Because it's easy to look good against an undersized Amir Khan. It's easy to look good against Liam Smith. It's easy to look good against a weight-drained and dilapidated Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. But Canelo's had over a year of not having to worry about upcoming opponents. He's still a young man. He's only 28 years old. Whereas Golovkin, he is 36. And I would not be surprised, win, lose, or draw, if this was his last fight. But looking at everything and having rewatched the fight a few times, it's very hard to get away from my initial prediction and that is Gennady Golovkin I'm not going to give scores I am not going to say oh it's going to be by a split decision or majority unanimous no I just think that this time Gennady Golovkin is going to get the decision that he should have gotten in the first fight 
I am going to be covering the fight this Saturday. I got the night off of work, thankfully, and I'm going to be covering the fight. So follow us on Twitter at Boxing for Free, and you'll hopefully be seeing my tweets throughout the night. And hopefully I won't be getting as drunk as Oscar De La Hoya was when he announced his campaign for the presidency. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxingforfree. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller Zizek, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxingforfree and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash boxingforfree page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. Vote de la Hoya 2020.